you like to turn in your Bibles, please, to Paul's letter to the Philippians? And we're uh, going to be in chapter 2, the end of chapter 2 this morning, reading from verses 19 through to 30. So Philippians 2, beginning at verse 19. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honour such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. This is God's word to us today. Let's pray. Gracious God, as we come around your word together this morning, we thank you, firstly, that uh, we do indeed have your word to look at. Lord, it is your revealed word to us. It reveals who you are, what you're like, It reveals your work in this world, the fact that you are indeed the great creator. You have made all things. And uh, that through your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came and lived that perfect life and died that perfect death on the cross, it is through him and through faith in him that we can have life, life to the full and eternal life. We can have forgiveness of sins and we can have the confidence of knowing that as your children, we know that you are with us day by day. Lord, your word reveals to us as well what it is to be your children and how we are called to live in light of that. And as we open up this passage together this morning, will you just please teach us, give us, uh, help us to have hearts that are open to those things that you might want to challenge us about in our own lives today. And Father, help us not just to then be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word also. And we commit this to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we uh, continue on in our series in Philippians, the uh, series that's entitled Discovering Joy, and uh, we have been working through this, uh, this little letter together, and I hope that as you've been working through, you've seen the different uh, aspects of joy that Christ gives us through uh, knowing Him and being known by Him and of living for Him. We've seen it in the example of the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul's life. Today, we're going to see it in the example of these two men, Timothy and Epaphroditus. And so our title of the message today is indeed Joyful Partnerships. 
Now, can I tell you, I am a terrible artist. Anyone here really, really good artist? Put your hand up if you're, if you, if you're quite good at art this morning. I know there's a few of you around. Yeah, excellent. I really admire you. But honestly, if you ask me to draw a picture of something, you're going to get stick figures at best. Okay, that's it, I'm afraid. I mean, you're certainly not going to want me on your team if it comes to playing Pictionary. <clears throat> I remember in primary school, actually, I, uh, I had to uh, do um, uh, what was called social studies projects. I don't know what social studies converts to today, but uh, you, you guys will probably uh, be aware of that. But one of them involved drawing a map of Australia. I had to do a project on, on our country, Australia, and I had to draw a map of Australia. And I think that my first attempt at doing, doing this map the freehand, it, it looked like this kind of deformed kidney. It was really, it was really horrible. And then mum suggested, well, why don't you try tracing paper? Ah, see, mums, they're pretty good, aren't they? They've got all this wisdom. And so I got some tracing paper out and, and I got a, 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 a picture of Australia from an encyclopedia and I was able to trace the map out. And you know what? It worked a treat. It came up really, really well. You know, it's much easier, isn't it, to, to, to have a pattern to follow. Yeah? You agree? Good. Because that's what we're going to be talking about today, folks. Patents. <laughs> Yesterday at the ladies' event, some of you ladies got to do a number of different crafts and things like that. And one of those, I think, was flower arranging. Now, if you were just asked, if you were just given a bunch of flowers and said, here, go and, go and arrange these flowers in a beautiful bunch, you know, in a beautiful sort of, you know, um, lovely display, I'm sure there would have been a number of you who might have struggled with that. But, of course, once having seen Damaris perhaps do it and then sort of show you how to do it and you've got that thing to look at, it becomes a lot easier, doesn't it? Is that true? Yeah, it might have been the same with the Kokodamas. Yeah, Kokodamas, that's a funny name, isn't it? Yes, I'm sure it happened with the, with, the, with the wreaths that you did. What are some of the other things you did there yesterday, ladies? Card making, excellent, yes. All right, it's always great when you've got an example of something to follow. It makes things much easier. And our passage this morning is about that. It's about examples to follow. Examples of what living a humble and obedient and selfless Christian life looks like in practice. If you go back into Paul's letter here in, uh, in Philippians, back into chapter, in, in chapter 1, verse 27, the Apostle Paul has been urging his readers to live lives manner of the worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He goes on to speak to say that you know, that involves standing firm in the faith, united together in striving for the, for, the, for the sake of the gospel and not being frightened of those who oppose the faith or the gospel message. In chapter 2, he then uh, you know, talks about the believers should do nothing out of selfish ambition, but in humility count others more significant than, than themselves. And then towards the end of that passage, he says he urges them to do all things without grumbling or disputing, in order that they might be a wonderful example of Christ-like life, of a Christ-like life to those around about them. Now, all of these things that Paul has been talking about in this uh, in these chapters are what we might call gospel imperatives. An imperative simply is this: it's a command which is of vital importance or significance, which needs to be carried out urgently. Imperatives, though, they tell us what our duty is but it can be sometimes hard to get our heads around that, that particular concept. It's a bit like being asked to draw a map of Australia freehand without anything to look at. Examples, though, show us what it looks like in reality. 
And that's why Paul goes on to tell us about Timothy and Epaphroditus here at the end of Philippians chapter 2. He holds these people, these two guys up as examples or patterns of the lives that we should be living, of, of the sort of we can follow in our lives. I mean, these were two men who were actually demonstrating in their own lives the very things that Paul has been urging his readers, the Philippian church and us, uh, you know, to, to, to put into practice in their lives. He wanted to, that Paul wanted to see as being evident in the lives of the believers. And I think as, as we look at this passage, there are a number of things that we can learn from these two men. But what I've tried to do this morning is kind of condense them down to three things. We're going to look at that and look at them uh, in turn this morning. So the first one we're going to look at this morning is this, that these men were willing to be sent. Okay, these men were willing to be sent. We see that in verses 19, verse 23, verse 25, verse 28, and verse 30. I've lifted, listed those up on the, uh, on the uh, projector there for you this morning. Paul begins in this passage where he says in verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. See, Paul would have loved to have gone to the Philippians himself. He would have loved to have gone back to the church there in Philippi and with the believers and to be able to uh, be with them again. But he's restricted by the fact that he's under house arrest in Rome. He's been arrested. He's, he's there awaiting trial. But see, Paul, he had this incredible love and affinity for the believers there in the city of Philippi. We see that in, in the letter. It comes out a few times. Let me just point out a couple uh, of, of examples for you. In Philippians 1, verse 8, he says, For God is my witness, how I yearn for all of you with the affection of Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. Paul says that he, he yearns for all of these believers there in Philippi with the affection of Christ Jesus. Over in uh, chapter 4 and verse 1, he says this, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord my beloved. Paul really, really loved these believers at Philippi. I think that was uh, come down to the fact that you know, he, was, he was there right at the beginning. He was the one who God used to, to, to begin that church there in that place. But also, these believers over time had opportunity to also minister to Paul in his needs. And we'll see that a little bit later on this morning. Now, Paul wanted to see them so that he might help them in their spiritual progress. If you look in uh, chapter 1, verses 24 and 25, he says, you know, he says um, that you know, he, would, um, he would love to, uh, to continue to, uh, to be with them. It says, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account Convinced of this, he says, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Paul has been talking about, you know, what's better? Is it better to be with Christ? Is it better to die and be with Christ? Or is it better to remain behind and, act and, and continue to minister for Christ to the people around about him? And Paul says, I think that God's going to, you know, he, he wants me to remain behind and continue to work with you and encourage you. And, and the reason is so that they might progress in their faith in Jesus Christ. They might be built up and grown and nurtured in their faith. That's what Paul wanted to do. Paul particularly wanted to help these believers in the areas of unity and love for one another. We see that coming out in the, uh, in the letter too, that these are things which Paul continually comes back to and which he emphasises. But he also wants them to help stand strong and firm in the face of opposition and false teaching. 
We see that in, in chapter 1, verse 28, and chapter 3, verse 2. But of course, as I said, because of Paul's circumstances, he cannot do that. He is there, chained to a Roman guard there in Rome. And so what he wants to do instead is he wants to send a representative on his behalf, and he, and he plans to send Timothy to go in, in Paul's place. Paul had done this before. He'd sent Timothy to the Corinthian church on a similar mission. If you uh, look in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 to 17, it says this, I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Timothy was a faithful man of God who went where he was needed. He was willing to be sent. In verse 22, we see that you know, he was faithfully helping Paul carry out the ministry in lots of different places. He, Paul says, but you know Timothy's proven worth. He's been, he's been proven you know, in the uh, in, in day-to-day stuff, in his faithfulness, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. Timothy was a faithful servant and he went where God required him to be, where Paul often would send him. He went there in order to be able to nurture and encourage the brothers and sisters in the faith in Jesus Christ. Timothy was willing to to be sent and here's a bit of an exercise for you this week to look through the new testament and discover all the places that timothy ministered in it's quite remarkable where god sent this man you know through his through his serving paul and on his in his gospel efforts around the uh the the, um you know the, the parts of asia minor particularly modern day turkey that we know today if you want to know where to start in that, by the way, just go to Acts 16. That's where Timothy first shows up in the, uh, in the gospel story. And from there, you can follow it through where Timothy ministered for, uh, for Christ. And Epaphroditus, on the other hand, he'd originally been sent from the church in Philippi to minister to Paul, to aid Paul there in Rome. In verses 25 and 30, we see that. We see that he said, it says this. Timothy, sorry, Paul says, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. And then down in verse 30, he says, you know, in his efforts for you, in serving you and serving Christ and in serving me, he says he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Paul is saying here is a man who is willing to be, uh, come on behalf of the, uh, the, the Christian church there in Philippi to be sent to Paul in order to be able to minister to Paul's needs in that place. In chapter 4, uh, verse, um, verse 18, it says this. It says, I have received more, sorry, full payment, and Paul says, and I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Paul is giving thanks for the fact that the Philippian Christians love Paul. They wanted to help him in his situation, his predicament there in Rome. And so not only do they send gifts, but they send a representative, they send this man Epaphroditus to go and to uh, be able to serve Paul on their behalf there in that city. And so Paul, uh, Epaphroditus comes ministering to the needs of Paul in that place. Timothy and Epaphroditus, we see here in this passage, 
were able to be sent because, firstly, of their willingness and their availability, but also because of their faithfulness and their obedience to Christ. Now, Jesus has sent us as, as, as his representatives into the world. The, uh, the, the New Testament speaks about the fact that as, as Christ represented, we, Christ is called, refers to us as ambassadors for Christ. Paul refers to us about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20. He says we are ambassadors for Christ, representatives of Christ to the world around about us. And the question we need to ask ourselves is this, is how cooperative and how obedient are we being in going to those people that Jesus has sent us to? I mean, we've got our own areas of influence. We have our own unique locations and circumstances. We have our families, our neighbourhoods, our schools. We have our workplaces, our sporting teams, our social circles, all these places where God has given us our unique mission field for him to be Christ's representative to those around us, the people we know. Whether that be here in Australia or sometimes God chooses to send us to other locations. When uh, we finished Bible college, uh, God called us to go down to uh, Newcastle and it was funny that uh, my uh, brother-in-law said that we, were, that we were being sent down there as missionaries to, uh, to New South Wales, to the heathen down there in, uh, in New South Wales. But the thing is that in this, in this, the fact that Jesus wants to send us, the important thing is that we are willing and available to be sent regardless of the location, regardless of the people, and in that to be faithful to do what Jesus commands us to. Now, not long ago, we had Luke and Bell Harland here with us who have now gone back to Thailand. And I was just filled with uh, admiration for, for this couple who, with their young children, are now going back to Thailand and they're going to be ministering in this tiny little village on their own. They'll be the only Australians in that place. You know, they're going to be surrounded by new people. They've got little kids, a uh, little baby that's uh, either just been born or just about to be born. You know, they haven't got a, a doctor's surgery just around the corner or, or hospitals and things like that if their kids get sick. You know, they haven't got people whom they can you know, hang out with and talk in their own language, the, the, the English language too. They've got people who, who only speak the Thai language. They're isolated from, you know, from, 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 uh, you know, from, from lots of things there in that place. But they know that this is the place that God has called them to and they were willing to be sent and they were willing to go in that and be faithful to Christ. We've got it pretty easy in this country, don't we? Yes, we've got, we've got opposition. We've got people who don't agree with us. We've got people who don't agree with, with, with our faith and, and the things that we believe. But in reality, we've got it really, really easy here. And when Christ is wanting to send us to the people around about us, shouldn't we prepare, be prepared to go? That faithful follower of Jesus is someone who is willing to be sent. And the reason... That, these, that people like Timothy and Epaphroditus here in this passage, people like Luke and Bell and others who go where Jesus is wanting to send them and they're willing to go in that, is because their focus is on Christ first and foremost. And this is our second point this morning. Not only were they willing to be sent, but their focus was on Christ. And we see that in verses 21 and 30. Jesus in, says in his Sermon on the Mount, 
Where a man's treasure is, there his heart will be also. Matthew 6, 21. See, the thing is that we as people, we generally make time for the people and the things that we love. And we're often willing to make significant sacrifices for these people or for these things. Sacrifices that are made joyfully and not begrudgingly. Paul says here about Timothy, he says, I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. So what Paul is implying here is that Timothy himself has the interests first and foremost, not of the people, but, but, all, but, but of Jesus Christ first. And then that translates to the people around about him. They all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus. Again, in Matthew 6, 33, a little bit further on in that, uh, in that chapter in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. See, Jesus has just been talking to his disciples and, those, and his hearers about the fact that, you know, he says, don't be anxious about, uh, about you know, yourselves and about your own welfare and that sort of stuff. Don't be anxious about what you'll eat and what you wear and, all so and those sorts of things. He says, you know, the Gentiles, those who don't know God, they go after all those things. But Jesus says, but remember this, that your heavenly Father already knows what your needs are. So therefore, if you seek after him and seek after his kingdom first and his righteousness, then God will take care of the rest. All these things, he said, will be added to you. You won't go, you know, you won't miss out on the things that you, that you really, really need. We need, or we will not be willing, I should say, to make those same sacrifices for Christ. The sacrifices we see here in, these, in, in Timothy and Epaphroditus, we won't make the same kind of sacrifices we see in the examples of people like Luke and Bell. If, if, you know, if uh, for some reason we are continually and selfishly looking after our own interests rather than those of Jesus Christ. It's interesting about Epaphroditus here in this passage, Paul says, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service. He's saying, you know, the, the, Corinthian, the, the Philippian church, they couldn't all collectively just, you know, up stumps and move to Rome and, and serve Paul there. And so they sent Epaphroditus there. It's interesting that, Paul, that that term that Paul uses about Epaphroditus, risking his life, in the original language, it literally means to roll the dice, to gamble on something. That's what it means. Epaphroditus, we see then, was willing to be... Oh, sorry, um, let me go back a minute. When you are in, in, in gambling too, and I, I only find out about this by, you know, internet research, by the way. <laughs> in gambling, there's also a term that is called all-in. Uh, they use it in, uh, in poker and things like that where they put all of their, all of their money all in, into the middle all at once. And that term all in means betting the lot, betting everything on something. Epaphroditus here, he was willing to be all in for Jesus and his kingdom. He was a man who wasn't going to hold anything back in serving Jesus and his cause and in this case, serving his people, both Paul and the Philippians. Epaphroditus was willing to just lay down his life completely, to, to, to in, a, in a word, gamble his life, to risk his life 
everything about it for Jesus and for his cause. That's a challenge for us today because we need to ask ourselves this question. Is there anything that is holding us back from being all in for Jesus? You know, and when we live in a country such as we do today, when we've got so much available to us and so many creature comforts and, and things of security and stuff like that, it's, it's, it's much easier to grab onto those things and hold onto those things rather than risking things for Jesus, risking our lives for him. But Jesus goes on to say that, you know, that uh, he was in, in Epaphroditus who was willing to risk everything. Jesus, uh, Paul then says, he says, receive this man in the Lord with all joy and honour such men. God holds these kind of people up. God honours these kinds of people. And we need to be those kind of people for him. Is there anything holding you back from being all in for Jesus? Finally, because their focus was on Christ, they were able to put the needs of others first. And we see that in verses 20 and 25 to 26. Paul tells us here that Timothy was genuinely concerned for the welfare of the believers in Philippi. That phrase, concerned for their welfare, is a verb in the original language, and it's actually used again in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, where it is translated anxious, where Paul says, be anxious about nothing. So what it does is it carries with it the idea of worry, of being burdened in a very serious way for something. It could be so that, that uh, this um, passage, this verse about Timothy, could read something along these lines. It could say, Timothy, who is genuinely anxious for your welfare, or who is burdened, deeply burdened in his heart for your welfare. That's how Timothy keenly felt the needs of the Philippian believers and was eager to help them in any way that he could. Could that be said of us today as God's people? Do we keenly feel the needs? Do we keenly, are we burdened by the welfare of one another and those around about us to the point where they weigh heavily on us and then, you know, uh, then uh, move us to actually act in obedience and faith? Timothy keenly felt the needs of these, of these believers and so was willing then to, be, to go and be sent by Paul for the sake of Christ. Paul here in this passage also about Epaphroditus, he refers to him as a fellow worker and fellow soldier. In other words, he was Epaphroditus. He was committed to the ministry of proclaiming the gospel and seeing believers built up in the faith. That's what it means to be a fellow worker with Paul. But to see, if, if, if Epaphroditus didn't care for others, then he wouldn't have made the sacrifices he did as he served alongside Paul. He wouldn't have been prepared to go to the point of risking his life in order to see you know, the, uh, um, Christ's wishes carried out in the different places that he took him. We've got a letter this week. Um, it was sent to me via email about uh, a group of... Um, workers for the gospel a group of fellow workers for the gospel in far north queensland serving with the gideons and they write this they said last thursday saw us heading west from mariba after restocking with bibles that had been sent to area directors in atherton placements were welcomed in the communities of almaden and then chiligo before embarking on our 400 kilometer journey of dirt road to kawanyama on the west on the west of cape york we knew we were in for an adventure when the first road sign out Chiligo said, 
dust holes for the next 250 kilometres. And what an adventure with God it has been. To date, the men calculate we've travelled on a thousand kilometres of dirt. But this week has been the most challenging in terms of road conditions. The most confronting, and in brackets for one wife anyway, was the crossing of the Mitchell River, a wide and fast-flowing river with no bridge, but it was essential to cross in order to reach the community of Pormpereau, 120 kilometres north of Kawanyama. Notice that were those words, but it was essential to cross in order to reach this particular community of people. Here, was these, here are these people who are up there in far north Queensland traversing kilometre after kilometre after dirt road. And I don't know if you've ever been on dirt roads at all, but we're not just talking about the nice graded dirt roads and that sort of stuff. We're talking about corrugation. We're talking about huge, big, deep potholes. You've got to, you've got to go probably around about 60 or 70 kilometres tops an hour, you know, on these kind of roads. So it's, you don't travel very quickly you know, in these, kind of, in these kind of conditions. And then crossing rivers and things like that. But the reason they were doing that was in order to take the gospel to these people, in order to put the word of God into these people's hands. They were willing to be used by Christ because Christ was their focus and they would then were able to put the needs of others first. You know, for Epaphroditus... There was great opposition in serving in this way. Notice the term that Paul uses for him. He said, not only is he a fellow worker, but he's a fellow soldier. Folks, soldiers fight battles. And Epaphroditus would have experienced the same kind of opposition that Paul had experienced. I mean, here he was. He was serving a man who was under arrest and who was preaching a message that many in Rome found detestable. And so Epaphroditus, in serving Paul, it would have been known that he was, that he was a follower of Paul, you know, that he was there serving him, and he would have been tarred with the same brush as Paul, so to speak. Not only that, we see that he suffered physically almost to the point of death. Paul was, uh, Epaphroditus was willing to do this because of his concern for others. And there's one other thing in this passage that points to Epaphroditus' concern for others. You'll see it where it says he was distressed over the fact that his church, the church back in Philippi, had heard that he was ill. I don't know when you're sick. The last people I think of when I'm sick is other people. I'm generally thinking about myself. Are you the same? Yeah. But here was Epaphroditus, he's almost at the point of death and who's he thinking about? Not himself, but he's thinking about how news of his illness would have got back to the believers back there in Philippi and they would have been grieved about that. In fact, the, Paul uses the word that he was distressed by that. He was distressed by the fact that the, the believers would have been anxious for him. This is Epaphroditus' concern for others. Do you want to know the signs and evidences of someone who puts the needs of others first? They are anxious and burdened, firstly, for the needs of others. They make significant sacrifices for the sake of others. 
but they also work cooperatively with others because they know that together they are better. Epaphroditus was there working together with Timothy and Paul in that place. They were joyful in their partnership together, joyful to be able to to serve God together in whatever shape that took. And that needs to be characteristic of us as God's people today. Folks, as we look at the example of these men, Timothy and Epaphroditus, we see in them what the church of Jesus should look like. It's what a true disciple of Jesus Christ looks like. Were Timothy and Epaphroditus perfect in these things? No, they weren't. Not even Paul was perfect in this. But as they looked to Jesus, as they were committed to, to, to following him faithfully and obediently, as they were, as they were you know, looking just to, be, to go where they were sent, to have Jesus as their focus, to have the needs of others foremost in their minds, as they were willing to do this, And you see that they, they are becoming more and more like Jesus himself. They were demonstrating, they were imitating more and more Christ-likeness in themselves. Paul speaks about, in, the, in the, uh, the verses leading up to this, he speaks about the fact, you know, work out your salvation Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. This is what it means. This is what working out our salvation with fear and trembling means. It means being living in this, these kind of ways, with these kind of attitudes and motivations in our hearts and in our lives. Timothy and Epaphroditus are models for us today, people to imitate as we seek to be those lights for Christ in our own dark world. So as we finish up in our, in our passage here this morning, you know, the questions we can ask ourselves are these. How much do, does my life look like the lives of Timothy and Epaphroditus? How closely do our lives rep- you know, uh, model, uh, model theirs? Am I willing to be sent wherever Jesus wants to send me and do what Jesus wants me to do? Do I really have the sake of Christ? Do I really have him as the focus of my life, of my heart? Does everything I do centre around bringing glory and honour to him? And as Jesus cared for those around about him, do I myself have that same kind of concern, burden for those around about me? Some pretty challenging stuff, isn't it? Well, we're going to have time to contemplate that as we come around a communion table this morning. I invite the stewards to come forward as we share together around the table Christ.
course, our ultimate example is Jesus himself because we are called to, to be Christ-like. In fact, God's purpose for us as followers of Jesus is to become more and more like him. A beautiful uh, passage in, in uh, Philippians 2, verses 5 to 11, which speaks about the fact that Jesus was willing to uh, humble himself, to leave the glories of heaven and to come into this world and to, to have nothing but basically to do that in order to, uh, to, to serve us and to bless us. Jesus was willing to put the needs of us first and foremost before any needs and rights of himself. And this is what this table speaks of this morning, that Jesus was willing to do that even to the point of death, to lay down his life for you and me because of the fact that he knew that we had a need. We needed our sins to be paid for we needed our sins to be forgiven and we couldn't do that ourselves only he could do that only he was able to to provide the way where we as sinful people could be reconciled to a holy god and then to be used by such a god to bring about you know extending seeing his kingdom built up and established and extended in the world in which we live that's what this table speaks about today it speaks about the sacrifice, the death and resurrection of Jesus. But it points us also to the lives which Jesus then calls us to live. A life, lives lived in the following the footsteps of Jesus, just as Timothy and Epaphroditus followed in those footsteps. You know, dads, when you sometimes walk along the beach and you've got your footsteps and, you, and your children are walking behind and they're trying to put their feet in your footsteps, that's like we should be doing with Jesus, following, following closely along, being deliberate enough to put one foot in the first footstep and the next foot in the next and the next foot in the next, trusting that Christ will help us in that. And that's what this table speaks about this morning. And so we firstly come and we give thanks to God for his, for his provision for us in Jesus. In that he is the one who has paid for our sins and made us right with this holy God. And because he's done that, he's able then to place his Holy Spirit within us. His Holy Spirit who can help us to live this kind of life. But then it points to our responsibility to follow after him. So I invite you as we partake of these elements this morning, as you eat of the bread this morning, remembering the body of Christ given for you. Perhaps you might just like to give thanks for that in your, in your, own, quiet, your own quiet time there in your, in your seats this morning. Give thanks to Jesus for dying for you, for giving his life for you. But then also perhaps asking him what he has for you in these days and weeks ahead, where he wants you then to go for him on his behalf to those around about us. As we, I want you to hold the cup, though, as we, uh, as we share the cup together, I want you to hold that, that we more, all might drink uh, collectively together, reminding the fact that as we serve Christ, we serve him not in isolation, but we serve him collectively. Just as in the joyful partnerships here between Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus and the Philippian believers, we together serve Christ because we are better together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we partake of these elements, 
Very, very simple elements, bread and grape juice. They point us afresh to your sacrifice for us on our behalf on the cross. They speak of your willingness to be all in, so to speak, for us, to give up everything for us and for the glory of God. And we pray as your followers today that you will help us to be the same, that we might be all in for you, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the glory of Christ, but for the, for the sake of a world, Lord, that is going to hell. Help us to be your witnesses, your ambassadors. And may we be joyful partners together in that with you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.